Hello, and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School Policy Cast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're joined by former Trader Joe's president, Doug Rao, to discuss his recent efforts to combat both waste, food waste and food security, especially in urban areas. Doug, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. So uh, you've said in the past that Trader Joe's was a uh, store of stories. Now, could you tell me, if there's a story for the Urban Food Initiative, your new venture, what is that story? Oh, great question. I haven't been asked that one. Yeah. So I'd say that, uh, you know, first of all, narrative is important for every business and for each of us. We have our narrative. And I think that part of the narrative that uh, the Daily Table, which is the retail name for Urban Food Initiative, uh, that narrative is, is one that's written uh, in the fact that 50 million Americans are struggling. They're food insecure and uh, can't have affordable nutrition. At the same time, we've got 40% of what we grow in America that is not consumed, that's becoming an environmental uh, impact challenge in landfills. Food's the number one component. 97% of all the methane produced in a landfill is from rotting food. So we've got both a problem of here's this food that's wholesome and healthy in many instances being disposed of early. So I'd say this, this, the story here is let's use one problem to solve another problem. Let's, let's, add, let's utilize the wholesome, healthy food that we've already got that's been produced, that's been often delivered in many instances to our food service and supermarkets literally right around the border of inner cities. And let's utilize that excess wholesome nutrition to tackle affordable, uh, uh, affordable food for these food insecure. So you- Describe the daily table concept. Or it's basically an idea that you want to build stores to. Uh, it's not just su- supermarkets. They're actually right. pre-preparing meals um, that are cheaper, but they're with expired food, right? Yeah, and uh, let, let's first. I think the first thing to tackle is that word expired. There, there's two words that actually, as far as a narrative, don't sound very good. One is food waste. No one would like to have a second helping of food waste. You know, it, right. Uh, so right away it's branded uh, pr- improperly. And the example I, I use is uh, TJ Maxx, wonderful company here in Massachusetts, uh, stores all over the United States, have millions of shoppers a week. No one walks into a TJ Maxx and feels they're getting clothing waste or expired clothing. What TJ Maxx does, though, is their business is based on taking that excess inventory that other retailers mm-hmm. couldn't sell in a timely manner during the season or whatever it was, bringing that in and offering it at a deep discount. Well, of course, clothes don't of course, uh, go bad. <laughs> well, now I would agree with you 100%, but uh, tongue-in-cheek, I'd say they go out of fashion, which to some mm-hmm. people is just the same thing. I wouldn't wear that. That's yesterday's fashion, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, it's three buttons on your sports coat. Well, don't you know two is what's in now? So the um, uh, you're absolutely right. So here's where expired food gets uh, a lot of miseducation, which is that we use the term expired to define a sell-by or best-by date, and that's completely inaccurate, and it's leading to tremendous amounts of food waste, of which the Harvard Law and NRDC uh, uh, published this joint report called The Dating Game last month that is very knowledgeable, well-documented, and basically comes to the conclusion, best-by, sell-by, enjoy-by, these dates that are on vast majority of our product are completely unrelated to food safety. So I'm gonna be taking this excess nutrition this product that's healthy and wholesome, that as a grocer or a food service still has a long life on it before it's expired. But because of those dates, I can't sell them. Because I can't, you know, if I was at Trader Joe's still, and I was going to be 
at the end of the day, I had milk that had, or I had a bag of, of a packaged lettuce that says sell by, you know, today's date on it. Well, I'm either going to try and get that recovered if I can, in other words, get it to, you know, some uh, food recovery group. Or I'm going to throw it in the trash because tomorrow if I'm selling that and a customer walks in, they'll go, hey, wait a minute, you're selling me stuff that's past its date. Mm-hmm. Most Americans don't understand that that date is for the convenience of food rotation stock for the retailer. It's not at all consumer-facing because when you buy something that says sell by, you know, for the sake of argument, September 1st, well, on September 2nd, you're at home, you're the customer, what do you do with that? You look at it and go, oh, I just got it yesterday, I'm sure it's fine. Or do you go, oh my God, it's already a day past its code. So it's that sort of expiration issue I'd like to start with, that that Daily Table is going to take this product in. Much of what they'll bring in will then be cooked up in a kitchen or a commissary in the back to create ready-to-eat grab-and-go meals. Well, why? One is because most of us in America, regardless of your economic status, don't have any time. So they need to have something that's ready to eat that they can get off the bus or get off the tea, they can grab and go home. It'll be lower fat, lower sodium, lower salt. It'll basically follow the healthy plate standards of the uh, School of Public Health here at Harvard. Mm -hmm. So I think that the idea is offer that at an economically agnostic price to junk food. So offer this at the same price that you would have for fast food. Now, some people would say, well, first of all, wait a minute, you're, you're collecting this stuff, you're getting it as a donation, and you're going to turn around and sell it? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is really, yeah, you bet, because that is one that creates financial sustainability, so I don't have to keep coming back to society with my hand out looking for a philanthropic yeah. input, which becomes difficult as you scale. But second, and more importantly than that, is that the vast majority of those 50 million Americans or the working poor, they don't want a handout. Mm-hmm. They want dignity in their shopping experience. They want to be a customer. Everybody likes a great deal, but they like to be a customer. And when the, the third reason for it is Cornell's done a lot of research on this and been in the news, that if you can get someone to choose something, they'll use it. Now, you get to that point of uh, everybody wants to be a consumer. Uh, the food that you produce might be healthy, uh, but compared to a McDonald's Big Mac, um, you know, it's not that food waste. You know, it comes back to that PR issue. How are you going to get people to um, understand that the food is, you know, it's still good. It's not just still good, but, it, it you know, it's it's great food. It's good for right. you. tastes good, all of that thing. How are you going to overcome kind of the community fear over that? Well, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on it by the fact that much of the product that comes in, probably two-thirds to three-quarters of what we'll be selling initially, will be product that we cooked up fresh in the store. And when you come into the store and get that product, you will have a date saying, you know, prepared on this date and used by like four or five days out. It will be an in-code product. It won't be past its sell-by or best-by date. Mm-hmm. So there will be nothing about that product which will indicate that it's in any way a second-class or a, you know, an outlet product. Second is that much of the product uh, that's fruits and vegetables, for instance, don't have code dates on them. And banana doesn't have a code date, right? So if you get product that is... Um, cosmetically blemished. Quite frankly, it'll be just like farmer's markets Mm -hmm. because perfect's the enemy of the good in this instance. Most of us, when we go into a supermarket, require everything to look perfect. We want the beautiful-looking apple. If it's got a slight mark on it, there's something slightly wrong, we pick the apple next to it. Mm -hmm. Well, the times we get to suspend that are either when we call it heirloom, like an heirloom tomato, which looks really funky, Mm -hmm. uh, or 
We go to a farmer's market. We go to a farmer's market. If every apple looked beautiful, we'd go, wait a minute, where'd you get these apples? Because instinctively, we know it doesn't grow that way in nature. Mm -hmm. So if we can create a farmer's market style feeling inside the store, that this is produce that is highly nutritious, it's still sound, and okay, yeah, it's got a little cosmetic imperfection, so it's not going to be exceptional, but it's going to be acceptable, but it's it's got all the same nutrition. And now guess what? I'm selling this for like, you know, 25 cents on the dollar so that you can get an apple for, you know, 15 or 20 cents instead of a buck. Mm -hmm. And hence you can have your kid eat something that's nutritious instead of just having soda and, and, and you know, cookies. Do you worry that there's any issue with pride, I guess, from people who are going to be going into your store? I mean, it sits somewhere on the spectrum between a, a food bank and, and a low-cost supermarket, probably more towards the low-cost supermarket, but still there may be a little bit of stigma associated with that. Do you think that's something that you yeah, have to I, tackle? I you know, it's a great point, Matt. I, I absolutely do. And I think that... You know, what we're going to try and do is back to that story, right? Mm -hmm. Back to that narrative, which is to try to position this as how savvy you are, how smart you are to come down and get something like get a gallon of milk that yesterday at, you know, Stop and Shop, Trader Joe's or Whole Foods would have cost you three fifty or 4 bucks. Today, you're going to get it for a dollar. Mm -hmm. And the odds are you didn't drink that gallon of milk yesterday if you bought it, right. you know, and it's perfectly good for an extended period of time. Now, when you say, well, for how long? Well, it depends on how you store it. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you leave the milk out on the counter when the kids are eating breakfast for an hour? Mm -hmm. If you do that every day, guess what? Even if you bought milk and coat, it's going to go out of coat pretty quick. Um, do you Is your refrigerator at 44 degrees instead of 38? Well, then you lose a day of coat. So grocers and manufacturers don't like to put an use-by on, on milk because, quite honestly, it all depends on how you store it. So I, I'm going to be looking at trying to build a story that says this is wholesome, this is healthy, it's going to be done in an environment in collaboration with this wonderful uh, health center, Cobbin Square uh, Health Center, where we're going to be in a building that's going to be having nutritional education. It's where the health works, where you can come for you know as little as 10 bucks a month, mm -hmm. and you can get seven-day-a-week fitness. So it's going to create a whole spectrum of saying, if you care about your, the health of your family and your kids and, and, you, and your own personal health, that this will provide you the opportunity to get affordable nutrition in a friendly, warm environment that feels uh, like it's um, inviting and it's part of the community. So I, that, that's going to be the narrative. So if you're getting these this food from a variety of sources, and you've already said, you know, there's some, uh, it's not, the sell-by date isn't exactly a good indicator of mm -hmm. how fresh food is. How are you determining, um, you know, what the quality of the food is, where whether you should be using it or not, is there some uh, you know specific indicator of that? Well, as I mentioned, one of the challenges that we have with sell by and best by dates is it is no indicator of food safety, right. and that's true whether you bought it and you take it home, mm -hmm. or whether it's donated to a food bank and they distribute it out to like the Greater Boston Food Bank, you know, which is dealing with 350 or so different agencies that they distribute it. They have the same challenges and questions I'm going to face, and yet they're distributing this, you know. Uh, Greater Boston Food Bank right now, for instance, processes 50 million pounds of food a year. Much of that is product that is, you know, at the end of its life. Mm -hmm. um, but the good news is that if you bring this in, and, and, and particularly if you cook it and process it, uh, that uh, that adds extensive life. In the same way, if you bought something at home, if you get a sell-by product that is a sell-by yesterday, and you bought that in the store, and you take it home, and you're going to use it to prepare something, a soup or stir-fry or, or something you're cooking— 
that no one would have any, any risk or any fear that there's going to be something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. We're going to be doing the same thing. We, of course, then are going to be putting in very strong QA, quality assurance programs, that are going to go out and let us know that, okay, if milk comes in and it says yesterday's date, it's good for this many days. Very safe with a window of, of error on this, a margin of error that would be very safe. Most important thing for us, particularly as a social mission, is to do no harm, mm -hmm. to make certain that everything we sell will uh, move the ball forward on the health of the community. And that's going to be our first charge. Before we sell the, the – because we're a nonprofit, by the way, we're not looking at, you know, uh, you know, enhancing our bottom line. We're looking our, – our, our bottom line is the health and wellness of the community. Right. If it is being furthered, we're, we're delivering on our mission. So one ac ac aspect of this that uh, really interests me is the efficiency of the operation. Mm -hmm. uh, food waste, by its nature, must have some variability in you know what you're receiving from yep. who on any particular day. How do you um, you know create a sustainable business that you know doesn't know what the ingredients are going to be for creating you know prepackaged pre meals that kind of thing? How what yeah. does that involve? Well, first of all, in the business model is. Uh, hardwired into it that probably about a third of what we sell we're going to buy fresh just like any other grocer would because every day we're not going to get everything we need mm -hmm. so we're, we figured that about a third of what we're going to sell we're going to have to go out and buy you know just like anyone else buys so that's why we can't literally sell it for that much cheaper so we're going to be looking at um, offering this product uh, about a third of it will just be fresh just like you went to any other grocer mm -hmm. but um, it, it's, a, it's a great question because uh, there will be a lot of variability. To some degree, it'll be a little bit like Haymarket or any other farm, right? Come on down and see what we got today. Mm -hmm. So we'll be doing tweets out to people that are on our list saying, here's what we're offering today. We got, you know, a pallet of blueberries came in that, you know, were received by the local warehouse, but instead of being at, you know, 34 degrees, it came in at 40, which shortened their life. They don't want to deal with it. So guess what? You know, we got the load. And, and the other side of it is that um, – we will be trying to come up with recipes that are community-based, that will be tasty, but also e efficient. And it'll be somewhat a blend between here are the things we got to have every day and a treasure hunt of what do they got today. It'll be interesting and different because every day we'll receive different product. Some of it is due to the law, law of large numbers. If you're dealing with enough grocers and food service and farmers markets and uh, produce markets, you're going to know you're going to get a certain amount of something mm -hmm. every day. And uh, the only difference is, you know, are you going to get one and a half times that or three quarters of that? But you're going to, you're going to get plenty of, of this product. Other things will be hit and miss, and we might have to fill in with that. And that's where that third uh, in the uh, business plan, the third of going out and buying and having available every day. So I guess my last question is, about the location of this, you're opening this uh, first center in Codman Square in Dorchester, a um, kind of densely populated area of, of Boston that's a food desert, um, which is to say there aren't a lot of supermarkets around, that kind of thing. Um, and your hope is to kind of bring it across the country, if I'm if I'm not correct. Why? I, I understand the concept of kind of balancing, you know, the food security and food waste issues against each other. Um, but why specifically approach those poor commu poorer communities um, and not open up these kinds of things in other communities, more affluent communities maybe, that are similarly interested yeah. in saving money on food? 
Well, again, it's a question I've, I've been asked many times when people are suspicious about how come you're coming down here and doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the answer is that you go where you're, you go where the customer is. So this this model is designed to take care of a particular uh, what we'll call social need. And that is we've got 50 million Americans, of which a large percentage are children, that are not getting the nutrition they need. This is on society going to be a health care tsunami when the effects of eating junk food or not getting the nutrients you need in your early years stunt your neurological development. When the effects of this really hit us, and, and adult onset diabetes is no longer called that anymore because so many teenagers are getting this nowadays. The cost of diabetic care for teenagers for the rest of their life compared to you know people in their 60s or 70s is humongous. Same with obesity, et cetera. So I would say that you know that you don't open the store like this in Newton because people frankly can afford to shop at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. You know, down in many parts of the city where you're dealing with more concentrations of uh, economically challenged populations, they struggle to be able to afford fruits and vegetables, protein and dairy. So you're going to go where most of that concentration is so that the greatest good can be brought to the largest number of people. Well, Doug Rao, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. I really appreciate it. It's been great being here. Thanks, man. You've been listening to HKS PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. Hear more interviews at hks.harvard.edu slash policycast. And join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag policycast. Policycast.